You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Uh, thanks, God, for today. Thanks for the beautiful weather that you've provided us. Thanks for this awesome location uh, that we get to sit out, outside and do church in a different way uh, than perhaps many of us have done before. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of 1 Peter. I pray that you would help me to teach it faithfully today, that you would have me say what you want me to say. God, if I, pray, if I say things that are helpful, uh, please help us as a church to remember those things. If I say things that are unhelpful, uh, please help us all to quickly forget those things. Uh, God, I pray that you would guide our time together and help us to know more of who you are uh, through our time here today. pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, church, my name is Joash. I'm one of the pastors here at City on a Hill Surf Coast. And this service is our first real, I reckon. It's, our, it's a proper COVID service this week. I think everyone here is doing something that they weren't planning to be doing on about Wednesday. <laughs> uh, Louis, Louis, who was our lead pastor, was going to be preaching. He has COVID in the house. Uh, the music this morning, people who were going to do the music, they uh, had COVID as well. People who were service leading. Uh, I think we're going to have to start being like a footy team that names emergencies on their roster. Uh, they pick 22 and then a couple of emergencies. I think perhaps that's what we're going to have to start to do unless the COVID rules 
COVID rules change. But God knows all of that. God has got all of that to hand. Uh, and so we've been a pretty flexible team. Some, some wings are perhaps playing forward and some forwards are perhaps playing back today. Uh, but we're all gathered here uh, today, which is awesome. And so Louis, our lead pastor, he's been in isolation from, I think it was Tuesday, his oldest daughter has COVID. And so hopefully, uh, for those of you that perhaps have gone through, uh, you know, having to isolate at home, I don't know how you've dealt with it. I haven't had that yet. I think I would really struggle. I, I can't sit still for more than about half an hour. So being stuck in my house for a week uh, sounds really horrible. <laughs> but I hope that Louis had some rest and relaxation. Uh, I think that he, he's been trying to switch off and have some R&R, focus on two R's. I hope that he comes back ready for Easter, uh, ready to hit the ground running. Well, Louis, though, he's been focusing on two R's, I hope. Perhaps he's been going mad, but hopefully he's been getting some R&R. Uh, today, Louis is focusing on two R's. I want us to focus on five R's. The, the structure for our time together is going to be around five R's. The first three R's... The words that start with R, just to be clear, <laughs> are, in, uh, are going to guide us in our discussion through 1 Peter chapter 5. Um, and the next two, so, so respect, resist, and rest, they're kind of three headings that I'm going to take us through as we look at 1 Peter chapter 5. The next two are recap and reflect. So as Matt mentioned, we've, we've been spending the last eight weeks or so going through the book of 1 Peter. I want to give us sort of a 30,000-foot flyover of everything that's happened, everything that we've talked about in the book of 1 Peter so far, to, and give us an opportunity to reflect on that. I think in our personal Bible reading and our sort of corporate Bible reading as a church, it's great to kind of barrel through and read lots, maybe your Bible in one-year plans, maybe you're reading six or eight or even ten chapters a day, and that's great. Um, but it's also really important to have time to pause and reflect and consider uh, what we've been reading and what that means. Um, and so to, to finish our time together, I want to give all of us an opportunity, give us an opportunity to reflect and then, you know, have, have people share a sentence or two, uh, you know, together so we can all be encouraged by that um, at the end of, our, end of our time together. So I'm going to speak for less long than a, a preacher perhaps normally would to give us all time to speak together. Hopefully that helps. helps uh, I want to put that out there now too to, to get your minds to starting to think about that reflect time. But before we get there, the first R that we're going to look at in 1 Peter chapter 5 is respect. I'm going to follow the text pretty closely. Uh, so if you've still got your Bibles, if you leave those open, that will help you as we go through together. So the first R, respect, uh, I'm going to use this point to touch on the first seven verses. I'll just read those again for us now. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 to 7. It says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but give, gives grace to the humble. 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he might exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So respect. In these verses, Peter, he really talks, I think to sum it up, he talks about humility. He identifies himself here with the elders. He's talking to the elders in chapter 5, verse 1. He says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Peter, he talks about humility in this chapter, and I think he's demonstrating it in verse 1. He, he, he isn't preaching to, these, to the leaders, the elders, and saying, hey, I'm the big elder. I'm the, you know, I was with Jesus. I was one of his top three uh, disciples. Uh, listen to me. He says, hey, as a fellow elder, these are some things that I think that we should do together. He's exercising humility. Peter is, you know, one of the key leaders that the church is built on. But we built on. But we see uh, early on, straight straight on in this passage, that he is demonstrating humility. And that's what I want to focus on in this in in respect. The key point here, I think, to sum it up, is to be humble. Peter's asking us here to be humble as leaders. Be humble toward our leaders. Be humble towards each other. And then humble ourselves under God. And we can do all of these things because that humility is modelled by Jesus. In the book of 1 Peter, Peter often does this. He's got, he picks an idea and he cascades it through a series of relationships. We've seen how Peter's talked about how to be subject to government, how uh, wives and husbands are to relate to each other, how all of us as a church family are to relate to each other. He takes a principle of, you know, living like Jesus and kind of cascades and shows us how to live that out. And I think here in this, you know, respect and humility point, Peter's saying as leaders, we should lead with humility versus, you know, two to three. Peter's saying, he says here, shepherd, he's talking to leaders, shepherd the flock of God, exercise oversight, not because you have to, not under compulsion, but willingly. Don't lead for shameful gain, but lead eagerly. And don't dominate over those who are in your charge, but be examples to the flock. Lots could be said here about Peter's call specifically to leaders. Um, But I think I'd like to sum that up by saying, as leaders, if you're in a leadership position, like Peter does, demonstrates humility, Peter's calling all of us to exercise humility in that way. Peter then calls us as a church to... Uh, exercise humility and respect towards our leaders. In verse 5, Peter says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. If leaders are leading with humility, just as Jesus, our great leader, uh, demonstrated for us, then those of us who are, who are under that leadership, Peter also calls to clothe, us, clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. Peter then goes, so it's leaders, as leaders, as followers, and then everyone, no one gets away with it. The end of verse 5, he says, Close yourselves, close yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Church, when I think about what that looks like, um, what does it mean to be humble in the circumstances that we find ourselves in? thing that comes to mind is exercising respect for our differences and humility in disagreeance. 
if I think about the world that we live in today, it's so, uh, it's so divided. I, I feel like those of us, you know, particularly in Australia, we're a really egalitarian society. I don't feel like many of us stand up and beat our chest and say, look how good I am um, and have a real sort of pride, prideful attitude that's clearly demonstrated. But I think that something our society does, and I know that I do, is perhaps demonstrate a prideful attitude in how I disagree with people. <laughs> if I have hold an opinion that perhaps is different to someone else's opinion, it's easy for me to not, not be respectful and not demonstrate humility in why that person holds that different opinion and why perhaps I hold a differing opinion. When I think about what this means today, I think that we can respect each other for the differences that we hold. We all follow the same God. We all follow the same King who is our great example. And I'd, I think I'd call us to humility in how we can disagree with each other and agree on the main thing, which is Jesus is King, Jesus is good, and he calls us to live in a particular way. As Peter continues to cascade through these relationships, he's talked about humility and as leaders towards leaders and towards each other. We've talked about their sort of horizontal relationships, their relationships that we have with each other. In verse 6, he then talks about a vertical relationship. He goes, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that, so that at the proper time he might exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares. I think for some of us, humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that's a big sentence. <laughs> I think some of us feel like that's okay. We kind of have our head around that and are willing to do that. We, un we, we perhaps think and see that God is big, God is good, God created everything that we can see. He's designed a way that is best for us to live. And we're okay to submit ourselves to God and humble ourselves and say, God, I don't know what's best, but I know that you do and I'll follow you. But for others of us, we really want to push back against that. We want to be the commander of our own universe. We think that we know what is best for us and we, hold, have a, and we really struggle to submit and see God as a good, big God. I don't know what happened to me, but something is broken in my personality. But if someone tells me to do something a particular way, I go, okay, well, I'm not going to do it like that. I'm going to find my own way to do it. <laughs> someone says, you should jump this way. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to find my own way. I don't want you to tell me what to do. Uh, it, it's my, my instant reaction to being told what to do is to immediately try and do the opposite thing. Judd, my brother's here, perhaps it's got something to do with how we fought as children growing up or something, I don't know, something in my childhood influenced me to respond that way, which is not a good thing. And so humbling myself under God and the way that he tells me to live, I, I always want to push back and fight against that. It's my natural, natural reaction, and I, I would assume for a number of us it's the same. But I find that it's so much, the, the thing that helps me to humble myself under the mighty hand of God, is recognising that our God is not a far away God. God didn't create us and create the world and step, step back and let, let it all just go. Jesus, who created everything, he put the stars in the sky. He was there before time began. He humbled himself 
He became a man, a person just like us. And Philippians 2 says it really well. It says he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. And not just being born in the likeness of, a man, of man, but dying the death of a criminal so that we could be right with God. That's someone who's not a faraway God. That is someone who knows what it's like to live, if he knows what it's like to suffer. That's someone that I can humble myself under. And I think if you struggle like me <laughs> to humble yourself and listen, look to Jesus, look to how God has loved and demonstrated his love towards us in the person and work of Jesus. The last verse in this section, verse 7, says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Jesus, who we just talked about, he cares for us. He's not far away. The context here in 1 Peter, as we've talked about quite a lot, is suffering. Um, the, the people that Peter wrote the book to were going through a, a, a very difficult time. They were being persecuted for being Christians. And so in this verse, anxiety is assumed. Verse 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. It doesn't say if you are anxious, don't be anxious. It says, I know you're going to be anxious. It's written, the way that this is written assumes that you're going to be anxious. Casting all your anxieties. You're going to have anxieties, cast them on him because he cares for you. I think that for those of us who are anxious, sometimes we can be anxious about being anxious. We might feel anxiety and go, oh, I shouldn't feel this anxiety. God is so good. I know how good good God is. And we can kind of beat ourselves up for feeling anxious about things. That's not, Peter here isn't saying, don't be anxious. He's saying, don't be anxious about being anxious. When you're anxious, look to Jesus and cast your cares on him. He cares for you. And this is so different than other religions. It's, what we're talking about here is not like a mindfulness technique of emptying our mind and putting everything out into the universe and externally processing things. It's not the Buddhist principle of emptiness and, and distancing ourselves from the world. It's talking to a God who knows, who loves, who understands, and who cares. So this is our first R. We can, be, we can be humble, we can be respectful, because we know that God is loving and powerful, and he's demonstrated this humility towards us in the person and work of Jesus. One R, the others won't be so long, don't worry. <laughs> the second R is resist. Resist evil and endure suffering because the battle is already won. Verse 8 of our passage today says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So in the book of 1 Peter, unless I've missed something previously, which I don't think I have, he gets one verse in the book of 1 Peter. The devil's real and the devil's a lion. But the battle against him has already been won. Peter gives us a pretty simple tactic. He says, resist and stand firm in your faith. 
1 Peter is such a practical book all the way through. If you think about who Peter was, uh, Peter, you know, he's a fisherman, he's a tradie. He wasn't someone who spent all his time at university and in school. He was out on the fishing boat. And I think that's demonstrated in the way that he talks. He brings up a topic of the devil and he's straight to, well, what do we do about it? Resist and stand firm in our faith. And what is the faith that we have to stand firm in? Our faith is that the battle against Satan, the battle against the devil, is already won. He's a lion, but he's on a very short leash. He's already been defeated. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, and it's talking about Jesus. It says, When he had disarmed the rulers and the authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. What I would encourage us to do here is Peter's calling us to be aware of Satan. But if you look at the emphasis that is put, if you compare Jesus and Satan throughout this book, so much of this whole book is on who Jesus is and how we're to live in light of who Jesus is. The devil gets a mention. There's a verse on the devil. Um, He's a lion who prowls around looking for whom to desire. But what do we do? Let's not get distracted and put all of our attention and focus on our enemy. Let's focus on our saviour. Jesus. That's what Peter is calling us to do. When I was younger, I used to ride motorbikes a fair bit. And there's a guy I used to ride with quite a lot. His name's Matt. And we were always kind of neck and neck. This is dirt dirt bikes. We would ride on a Saturday and there's a little track that we'd ride around on. And one week I would win. The next week he would beat me. One week though, he beat me by like a minute. He almost lapped me. He was going that much faster. And so when we got off and we were chatting, I'm like, what did you do? You can't ride like that. Who did you just become all of a sudden? And he said to me, he'd, list, he'd been getting some coaching from some guru motorbike rider. He said to me, what I did is I'm not focused on you or anyone else on the track anymore. All, all, I'm, all I was focusing on is me and how I can ride. Wherever you are doesn't really matter. I'm just doing and riding the best that I can instead of being distracted by the things that are around us. I think the application for the, in this resist passage and looking at the emphasis that Peter puts on Jesus and Satan in this book, let's not get distracted and look at the other bikes on the track. Let's look to Jesus um, and resist the devil through that process. You'll notice as a church that we spend a lot more time talking about Jesus than the devil. We don't want to minimise the victory that's been won at the cross. The devil is real. And if you do want to be in that fight, what do we do? We can pray. Prayer is the front line. Mondays at 7 o'clock, we pray in here. And again, though, in these prayers, we spend more time praising and thanking Jesus for who he is and what he's done rather than binding and loosing spirits. Jesus is the focus. Resist evil and endure suffering because the battle is already won. It's our second R. Our third R is rest. Rest and remember God's promises and rest in him because he does the work. Look at verse 10 and 11 here. It says, and you have suffered, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, 
who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So cool. This is the last verse in 1 Peter, really. He kind of sums it up with you know, some details about uh, who he's written to. But this is what Peter wants to leave his, his listeners with, this verse. After you've suffered a little while, the people are suffering and hurting. The God of all grace who has called you to glory in Christ, he will restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. He will. It's God who does the work here. Peter isn't calling in his closing address to say, pull your socks up. Come on, you can get through it. Let's do it. He doesn't do that. He encourages them by saying it's God who does the work. And it's a good work. Peter's saying here, and, I, and it applies just as much to us today. You know, are you broken? Do you feel like life, suffering, the world that we're in has wore us down and broken us? If you feel that way, he will restore you. Did you feel like you were on the right track, but now you doubt it? Perhaps there's obstacles that have come up in the way. Life is hard. Do you wonder if you're still in the right place or doing the right thing? He will confirm you. He will confirm and reassure you. Do you feel weak and that you can't go on? that you can't lift your legs up any further, that you're worn out and you want to tap out, he will strengthen you. Do you feel perhaps like you're unsettled, like you're wandering around, like you don't belong and don't have direction? He will establish you. Church, we probably want these things now. We don't want to feel weak. We don't want to feel broken. We want life to not be difficult. But God's timing, Peter reminds us here, is not our timing. We want these things now and we want them perhaps sooner than they come. But his timing isn't ours. In verse 6, here Peter says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that at the proper time he might exalt you. His proper time it's probably not the same as my proper time. In verse 10, after you've suffered a little while, then he'll do these things. Well, that little while, it probably feels like a long while when you're in the middle of it. But if we have, if we have humbled ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we can be encouraged. We can rest and trust and follow in Jesus as our perfect example and take confidence in this, this awesome encouragement that he will restore, confirm, strengthen and establish us. If you feel like you haven't humbled yourself under the hand of God, maybe that's a new, new idea or something that you would like to consider. Maybe it's something you've done before but you're pushing back against. I'd love to talk with you after the service more about what that might look like in your life. That's our third R. Remember God's promises and rest in him because he does the work. So two hours to go. This is where you guys, we're going to change gears a little bit here now. This is where you guys can help. This is, uh, you guys, this is fun. I'm looking forward to this. So the, the last hour is reflect. This, we've just finished our, our formal teaching on 1 Peter. 
And it's significant when we conclude a book. The book that we did before 1 Peter as a church was Exodus. As we got towards the end of Exodus, unfortunately, we were all on Zoom. Then everyone was just little icons on a screen. But some of you may remember um, that we had a time for us as a church to reflect and for all of us to hear um, some thoughts from, from all of us. It wasn't just one person speaking, which is a good thing, especially when I'm the one speaking. <laughs> just like in our personal Bible reading, we want to have time to consider and reflect. We don't just want to churn through this book and snap one Peter shut and move on to the next one. We want to savour the flavour of what we've been hearing. So uh, to help us do that, I'm going to do a, a quick recap through the book. Maybe it'll trigger some memories for you, for those of you who have been here for most of the, the, sermon, the, the sermons. Maybe if you haven't, there's still something that stands out to you in there. And after I've done the recap, I want to ask uh, whoever would like to, to come up and share a thought or a reflection, something that stood out to you or something that you've learned in a sentence or two uh, from the book of 1 Peter. We'll allow sort of, you know, five or ten minutes for that. Hopefully there's six or eight or ten of us that would like to do that. But to give us some context, I'll do a quick recap. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.